I'm going to be reading today again the Beatitudes found in Matthew 5, verses 2 through 12. Matthew 5, verses 2 through 12. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online. My name is Tony Freitas. I uh, serve on the elder board here at Bethany Church. My wife Holly and I also work with Reach Global with the Evangelical Free Church of America. And we served in Africa for the last, well, for 10 years up until about four or five years ago when we came back to the States and now we work from here. But this feels a lot like being in Africa because everybody else is in the shade and I'm in the sun. It was interesting because just before we started the service, Adrian asked me, he said, Tony, so you're not going to make me cry today? And I said, oh my gosh, we're talking about mourning. I don't know how to do that. I'll do my best, Adrian. So I have the privilege uh, this morning of filling in for Pastor Jeff as we continue the study of the Beatitudes. Now, Jeff preached on the first beatitude last week, and this week we'll move on to the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn. So go ahead and pull out your outline, and we'll get started. Now, you'll notice that I titled the message, Are You a Mourning Person? It's kind of a play on words. But in all reality, are you a mourning person? Do you know how to mourn and do it in a healthy way? So if I say morning, there might be a time where I might say morning, and I might have to spell out M-O-R-N so you'll know where I'm going rather than saying M-O-U-R-N. But we'll do the best we can here. So can we mourn in a healthy way? In a way that helps us taste the blessed comfort that we will have one day when we're with our Lord in heaven. Is there a way to mourn? in a healthy way. My hope this morning is that we gain a better understanding of what it means to be blessed through our mourning. 
Now, do the Beatitudes apply to us today? Or are they describing a blessed hope to come? Biblical scholars have debated this question for many years. One scholar would say that these blessings are for the present, and another would say that they're for the future. I would say that I agree with both of them. If you look at the second part of Matthew 5.12, it promises a great reward in heaven for those who are persecuted, and that would be future fulfillment. In Matthew 5.3, it says, Blessed are those poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It says, is the kingdom of heaven. And in 5.10, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Both of these blessings, because they're expressed as theirs is the kingdom of heaven, are present fulfillment. Now, Jesus' teachings speak of a present reality where we can receive, inherit, and enter right now. He also teaches that we can obtain mercy, comfort, and become God's children right now. Giving us a taste of what eternity will be like. For those reasons, I believe the Beatitudes speak on both the present and the future fulfillment. So mourning, mourning is defined as the outward expression of grief over a death or some other calamity. In Bible times, it was customary to mourn for a period of time. In Bible times, it was customary to mourn for a period of time. It had a short window of time in which you would mourn. In some cases, it might be long. As I mentioned earlier, Holly and I are missionaries, lived in Africa for 15 years. Um, when our family lived in Tanzania, we experienced a type of mourning that was something totally different than what we were accustomed to. We've got a train. When someone in the village community would die, you would hear a loud wave of wailing sweep across the village. It would begin at one end of the village and it would come across the village and eventually would come to you. Their mourning process went on for a period of time before the burial and then it would subside for the most part following the, uh, following the funeral. Mourning was much different in Africa than it is here. Because in Africa, they mourn outwardly. They express their mourning outwardly. Here, we express it inwardly. Or sometimes we don't even express it at all. Or sometimes we just completely ignore it. So what does the Bible say about mourning? Well, first, notice that mourning is for a period of time when a person grieves a death or tragic event. Mourning or grieving should not be confused with deep depression, which can feel like falling into an uncontrollable emotional black hole that seemingly has no end. And in those circumstances, professional help or counseling is, should be sought out. Let's look at the second beatitude, Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. How can mourning be a blessing? How can mourning be a blessing? That's number one in your outline. How can mourning be a blessing? At first glance, it sounds like an oxymoron. 
a couple of examples would be, it was such a bittersweet goodbye. What does that mean? Bittersweet, are you happy to leave? Or are you sad to leave? A bittersweet goodbye. Or this is going to be an awkward meeting, so just act naturally. How do you act naturally? Or passive-aggressive. Yeah, that describes him perfectly. He's passive-aggressive. Or you might have heard, when you come in, don't forget to bring your original copy. What's an original copy? <laughs> or my dad used to say, good grief. Good grief. Is that blessed morning? It sure sounds close. Good grief and blessed morning. Our scripture says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. If I said that I was going to have a celebrate morning party this week, how many of you would want to come? We're going to have a really good time. We're going to have really good food. We're going to play games. We're going to sing songs like, celebrate morning. Come on. It's a celebrate. No? Okay. I, I kind of figured most of you would say no. And we say no because morning hurts. In fact, morning hurts so much that we don't want anything to do with it. And if I'm hurting, I might just want to keep it inside and keep it to myself. Thank you. If somebody asks me how I'm doing, I might say, well, I'm just doing fine and smile. We purposely try to cover it up so that no one will see the pain in our lives. The pain that we are experiencing might be so deep that we avoid being with people. We might even, as believers and Christians, we might even avoid coming to church because if I go, then I have to pretend that everything is okay. As Christians, we're pretty good at that. Two years ago, just before Christmas, my first mother-in-law went home to be with the Lord. After the tragic loss and death of my first wife, her only child, I told her that I would always be there for her and that one day when I have children, they will be her grandchildren. We had a very special relationship and I kept that promise. Or I should say, we kept that promise. When Holly and I had children, they grew up knowing her as Grandma Linda. They never once questioned why they had three grandmas. They just always knew her as Grandma Linda. And when she became very sick from cancer, I went to Florida and spent the last few weeks with her in hospice and stayed with her to the very end. I came home a few days before Christmas and on the day of the Christmas Eve service here at Bethany, as Holly was getting ready to go, I said, I'm not going to go. I think I'll stay home. I said that because I didn't want to just smile and pretend that everything was okay. And I didn't want to go 
and be sad around people who are joyfully celebrating Christmas. I thought that if I go, everyone will be happy, and therefore I would need to pretend that I too was happy. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like that? Nobody wants to mourn, let alone mourn publicly. A lot of times when we see someone hurting, we feel like we need to fix the problem. We want to make them feel better. We do everything we can to try and help them not to mourn. We don't want them to be sad. Some might look for ways to help them numb the pain. And sometimes that's not healthy. They do it in unhealthy ways. I wish I could take your pain away, might be something they say. Or maybe you just need a little bit of time just to process, and over time, it'll be okay. We might even say, God will give you comfort, which is true. But we often forget the part about that we need to trust in him for that comfort. We need to trust in him for that comfort. The blessed comfort that Matthew 5.4 is talking about only comes to someone who has a personal relationship with Jesus. I'll say that again. The blessed comfort that Matthew 5.4 is talking about only comes to someone who has a personal relationship with Jesus. The deeper your relationship with the Lord is, the more deeply you will feel his comfort. That's number two on your outline. The deeper your relationship with the Lord is, the more deeply you will feel his comfort. So now just to be clear, I'm not saying that Jesus is going to take away the pain. He doesn't numb the pain. He's not spiritual Novocaine. He comforts us through the pain. He gives us the strength to endure the pain. And he uses the pain to build our character and perseverance. You see, our culture has trained us to find comfort in dismissing our feelings. But Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. So mourning can be a good thing. It can be a good thing because it brings us to a point of desiring a level of comfort that can only come from the Lord. It can be a good thing because it brings us to a point of desiring a comfort that can only come from the Lord. In his book, Discovering God, John Piper wrote that in our times of mourning, we should, and this is the quote, eat the fruit of sorrow, even if it is bitter. This fruit that you can only eat now has nutrients that you cannot get any other way. Savor the special promise nearness of the Lord. Psalm 34:18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. There is a unique and special promise nearness that you will enjoy. Yes, it is a tearful, painful, true word that you will enjoy that you will not have once the sun comes out again. That time of mourning where you have an opportunity to have that closeness with God 
is a short period of time in this in the scheme of things. It's not a long time. And you have that opportunity to build that relationship and to go deeper than you have ever been with him. And that will end when the sun comes out until you start to mourn another time. So mourning isn't fun. But if you're a child of God and from the depths of your heart, you ask the God of all creation to comfort you, then get ready for the most intense holy hug that you could ever possibly imagine. And while he's holding you up, cast all your sorrows on him. He can handle it. Whatever you have to say, he can handle it. Let him speak into your heart and let him give you peace. That's the blessing. You can cast all of your sorrows on him and he will give you peace. That's the blessing. Those aren't just words I'm saying because I was asked to preach on such a difficult topic and it is a really difficult topic. It is a real difficult one. They're the truth and they're truth that I've experienced myself. I've experienced it myself. So I know what this is like. It was a hot June evening in 1989 and I came home from work and I went for a cool a swim just so I could cool down. It was getting late and my first wife, Terry, had not come home from work. She was usually home by 5.30, and so I became concerned. I went in the house to check the time, and the clock on the wall said it was 6 o'clock. I called the office where Terry worked and asked the person who answered the phone if she was working late that night. Is she working late this evening? I became concerned when the voice on the other end, with a shaky voice, said, Hold on for a second, please. Then the next voice is something I will never forget. He said, this is Sergeant Steve Ronco with San Jose Police Department homicide. Who am I talking to? Oh, my heart sank. I said, this is Terry's husband. He said, there's been an incident here. You need to go to the police station immediately. Go straight there. And when you get there, I'll fill you in on the details. I arrived at the police station and was escorted into a room where I was told that Terry was the victim of a homicide when she was leaving work. I won't get into the whole story, but I'll tell you that event became the beginning of the longest, most intense conversations that I have ever had with God. I unloaded every emotion that I had on him. Anger, disappointment, sadness, anger, confusion, anger, fear. Did I mention anger? I was mad at him and I let him know it. I'd been serving him in youth ministry for 10 years and he let me down. And I was sure to make him know that he let me down. After days of giving him a piece of my mind, I finally realized he was giving me peace in my mind. I gave him a piece of my mind. I unloaded on him, and he gave me peace in my mind. There's that blessing again, peace. I couldn't do this on my own. 
I needed him to carry me, and he carried me through that terrible time, and he still carries me through difficult times today. If he carried me, I can tell you right now, he can carry you. If he carried me, he can carry you. If he carried me, he can carry all of you at the same time. Now, that didn't make me an expert on mourning by any stretch of the imagination. I am no expert on mourning, but it sure helped me understand how blessed I was to have him comforting me every step of the way throughout that time. God healed my broken heart with each day, and with each day life got a little bit better. Why? Because we have an eternal hope in Jesus. It's number three on your outline. We have an eternal hope in Jesus. As John Piper said, the sun will come out again. The sun will come out again. We are not to leave, live in continual mourning. In Ecclesiastes 3.4, it reminds us that there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. I like to laugh. I love to laugh. I like a good joke. Laughing is fun. I can't dance to save my life. There's no way. So, and you could ask Holly, I can't dance, can I? I yeah, I would probably hurt somebody. So I just can't dance. So I, I'm just going to stick to the laughing for, for now. <laughs> when we choose not to mourn because mourning is painful, did you realize that we actually rob God of his overwhelming desire to comfort us? If we choose not to mourn, we're robbing God of his overwhelming desire to comfort us. We're robbing him of his overwhelming desire to bless us. How can he do it if we do not allow him to do that? Now, I don't like mourning. I, I do not like it. It's not fun. Been through it a few times. But I'm not a mourning person. And both M-O-R-N-I-N-G-M-O-U-R-N-I. I'm not a mourning person. However, I have never been as close as I was to God as I was during that time of mourning. I would not want to go through another tragic loss. <clears throat> but if I did, I know for certain that throughout my mourning, I will be blessed by his loving comfort. Now you might say, that, oh, that's great for your situation. You were the victim. You couldn't control the circumstance. Does God have that same desire for a relationship? And will he give the same comfort to someone who has done some really bad things? What about something that I've done to bring shame to myself or my family? Or maybe to others? What if I've done something that I can't ever forgive myself for? What if I was the one who pulled the trigger that evening? God's forgiveness is available to anyone who asks. It's available to anyone. No matter what you've done, his forgiveness is available. That's number four in your outline. God's forgiveness is available to anyone who asks. Now, it might be hard to imagine 
But God desires that all would come to know him. Our God is a God of forgiveness. So to the person who has done really bad things, I'd say that the Spirit comforts those who are honest about their own sin and humble enough to ask forgiveness and healing. Those who hide their sin or try to justify it before God can never know the comfort that comes with a pure heart. Those who hide their sin and try to justify it before God can never know the comfort that comes from a pure heart. As Jesus talks about in Matthew 5, 8, it says, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. For us to fully experience God, we need to ask forgiveness for our sin. It's all about having that deep, personal relationship with him. He fully understands the morning. He's experienced it himself. If we look in Isaiah 53, 3 through 5, it says in Isaiah, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and esteemed him not, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Jesus was nailed to the cross because he loves us. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He, meaning Jesus, who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. He became sin. He didn't just take our sins and put them in a backpack and head off with our sins so he could conquer sin. He didn't put them in a truck and drive them so someplace else he could go and conquer sin. He didn't build a giant God-sized box and put our sins inside the box and seal it up and forget about it. That's not what he did. He became sin. He took it upon himself. He who knew no sin. He's the spotless lamb. He knew no sin. He became sin. He felt the pain. He knows what pain is about. He knows what it feels like. And then he conquered it. Jesus took our sins and he threw them as far as the east. That way. He took them and he threw them as far as the east is from the west. And they're gone. It's an eternal line. Did you know that the east and the west is eternal. If you go from east and you keep going east, you're going to continually continue to go east. If you go west and you keep going west, you're going to continue to go west. Are you with me? Now you notice he didn't say he threw it from the north to the south. Do you notice or did you know that the north and the south both have points where they end? 
if you go from north to south, it ends. When you get to south, you go north. When you get to north, you go south. When you get to south, you go north. It's not eternal. I think that's amazing. Only the God of all creation could understand and put this illustration in the Bible because he's the creator of the universe. So once again, to the person who thinks that they might have done really bad things, and that could be any of us, Proverbs 28.13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So rather than wallow in guilt and shame, we can realize that we stand justified by faith before God. Those who learn to mourn over their sin find the heart of God. Intimate fellowship with God is the very foundation of true happiness and repentance that results in forgiveness and cleansing from God. Mourning is a part of being human. It's an expression of our hearts when something that we value has been taken from us. It's a natural thing. It can also be a way to convey our agreement with God's moral law that we have violated. Mourning, although painful, can help us align our hearts with the heart of God. That's what it's about. Mourning isn't pleasant, but it's a part of life. Those who know Jesus look forward to the day when God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Revelation 7, 17, it says, For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So folks, mourning is painful. But God can bless you with comfort through the pain. Mourning is inevitable but God can bless you with perseverance. Mourning is hard, but God can carry you through that difficult time. Mourning has an end. It doesn't last forever. So take that time to seek the heart of God. Take that time to get to know him. Let him get to know you. Cast your cares upon him. Because he wants you to cast your cares on him so he can comfort you. The loss that you suffered at the time is very special. And so the times of sadness will come and the times of sadness will go. And that's okay. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to remember those special memories. But I want you to think about during those times, you can find comfort in Revelation 21.4 where it assures us that there will come a day when, we, when he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. 
Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. I hope that this morning you have a better understanding of what it means to be blessed in your mourning. I really hope that the words that I spoke give you a better understanding of what that means. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to feel your comfort in our times of mourning, but we often let the pain get in the way. And our wall of protection goes up, blocking us from you and blocking you from us. Forgive us for the times that we have missed those opportunities to know your heart. Please help us to see your loving arms reaching out to comfort us and help us to have the strength to look past our pain and grab your hand so that we can find your intimacy, the intimacy that you desire to have with us. We desire that same intimacy with you. We love you, Lord. And we ask these things in your holy name. Amen.